Welcome to the Edible Alpha podcast series, your source for actionable insights into making money in food. I'm Tara Johnson, the Tara's Way Lady, and we're here to talk to a wide range of stakeholders about what it really takes to grow a financially viable food business. Well, hey, Peter, thanks for coming down this morning. Thank you, Tara. It's so good to see you. Very nice to see you. <laughs> yeah. So so um, why don't we start by having um, you introduce yourself to our listeners. Okay. Uh, my name is Peter Robertson. Uh, very short, brief history. Born and raised Hershey, Pennsylvania. College in Boston. Theater, business in New York for seven years. And then out to Madison for a quiet life. Uh, right. And th- yeah, that didn't quite play out that way. Nope. <laughs> so did you come here to, to work at Electronic Theater Controls? Is that why you came? I did. Uh, okay. from, from my roots in the theater business, yeah. uh, I had a connection here. Yeah. So what did you do in theater? I was a stage carpenter, did okay. a lot of technical theater you background. did technical theater. Did you do lighting? I did lighting, yeah. sound, props, uh, everything. Okay. I'm asking all these questions because mm-hmm. my one foray out of food in my whole career was at electronic theater controls. It's right. so funny, right? <laughs> I remember that. Yeah. So when you came, were you in tech? Is that, or were you on tech services? Uh, Well, actually, I kind of get, when I joined uh, ETC, it was more just kind of help with their infrastructure. The business was growing quickly. They just need people that had general knowledge of how to get stuff done, Uh uh, which then turned into they were building buildings, and I would do all the uh, infrastructure, pneumatics, uh, you know, setup lines for uh, ergonomics and whatnot. Wow. Okay. So you were in manufacturing then. Yeah. Yeah. uh, To to a degree. Right. Did you work in project management too or no? No. 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 Okay. Cool. Yeah. So when I was at ETC, it was after you were there, I suspect. Um, And I I headed up marketing for ETC. And did did Mark Vasallo was he there when you were there? (laughs) Shut up. Shut up. Yeah, I know. (laughs) I know. Mark is just delightful. You know, I all this traveling I'm doing. I got on a plane coming into Madison, and there's Mark. You know, I'm like, oh my god, you're still on planes too. And he said, oh yeah. 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 (laughs) What a great guy. Though. Great guy, awesome guy mm-hmm. from from New York, and it was so fun to have him around. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so so mm-hmm. when you left ETC, was that when you started RP Pasta? Yeah, well, I just had uh, from my touring background. I spent a fair amount of time in Italy oh. uh, with Merce Cunningham, Martha Graham, um, and uh, I just felt. I mean, I was always kind of a foodie mm-hmm. by my background. My mother was uh, always an amazing cook. My father traveled the world as a salesman. So there was always these international influences uh, coming Mm -hmm. into the kitchen. And so I always had a passion for food, and Mm -hmm. I loved watching my mom cook. And so food was always uh, part of my background. But then you spend time in northern Italy, and you just go, I know, and your life changes. And you're like, oh, this is where all the flavors come from. Right. And, uh, yeah, so... Uh, pasta in particular, I remember sitting in you know a couple of the restaurants and just eating the pasta, just going, why is this pasta so much better? Yeah. Um, and lo and behold, I'm like, fresh pasta. I'm like, who knew that pasta could be fresh? I mean, it comes out of a box on the dry aisle. So mm-hmm. um, I just took to starting to make my own fresh pasta just for my own cooking. Mm-hmm. Never intended that it would really turn into a business. Uh, but there came a, a, a year, 1994, you know, Christmas was coming and, you know, the avid cook that I was, mm-hmm. you know, everybody does peanut brittle and cookies and everything right, to right. give away as gifts for Christmas. And I was like, I'm going to do something different mm-hmm. enough with all the sugary stuff because everybody does it. And so I made pasta and gave pasta out to all of my neighbors oh. uh, for Christmas of 1994. Um, Feedback came back, and they're like, hey, you should do this. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> Not something I had really thought about, but... Isn't uh, that crazy? Yeah. 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 So um, so for the benefit of people around the country who may not be familiar with your brand, so um, you may want to just describe what you do. Yeah. So so from that, I did start a fresh pasta company. Yeah. Uh, really focusing on the, the heart of northern, northern Italy, semolina mm-hmm. a whole egg, and uh, started with a couple of restaurants right here in Madison. Mm-hmm. Um, started doing the farmer's market, which was very, very successful. I did not have any idea that mm-hmm. it was going to be so well received. 
And then grocery stores started coming to me at the farmer's market saying, hey, you know, if you have any leftover, you know, we'd be, <laughs> happy, to, we'd be happy to sell it for you in our store. And I'm like, mm-hmm. wow, that's kind of an interesting idea. Yeah. You know, I understood business and mm-hmm. I understood uh, an aspect of distribution, but the grocery store was kind of foreign. Right. Uh, that right. connection of food and then the grocery store, I think, was was foreign to a lot of people, and mm-hmm. even in, as early as, in, or late as the 90s, I guess. Mm-hmm. But uh so I started going into di- distribution, and then, uh, yeah, the RP's Fresh Pasta brand just kind of started growing, and we moved into most of Wisconsin and then got a Whole Foods region mm-hmm. uh, for the Midwest. And from there, the RP's brand really kind of took hold in the Midwest as mm-hmm. a Fresh Pasta brand. Right. And your product is sold in the dairy case, right? Typically, Typically, yes. or a deli, or maybe. Deli, yeah. yeah. Yeah, which is not, as you said, we're not used to thinking of pasta there, right? No, no. Yeah. That was actually the biggest challenge mm-hmm. was teaching people that you can buy pasta in the refrigerator. Right, right. And they're like, what? Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, fresh or, pasta. <laughs> right. And teaching the, the retailers, right, the buyers. Same, same thing. Same yeah. thing. Uh, yeah. And, you know, in which case, you know, DiGiorno was a big fresh pasta brand at the time. Oh, Buatoni right. wasn't really. Mm-hmm. But but if you look back, I mean, DiGiorno, they just closed the doors because right. they weren't seeing enough growth because it was still a challenge to mm-hmm. get people to go to the refrigerated section for mm-hmm. pasta. Mm-hmm. Interesting. But they kind of did a little bit of the legwork for you. Yes, exactly. Yeah. They kind of carved out a space. Yeah, for uh, pasta. Right. So when they dis- when DiGiorno went out of business, mm-hmm. Buatoni came in very quickly and started taking a lot of space. But it also gave me the opportunity to take some mm-hmm. more space. Yeah. Um, and it's a good thing that we all stuck around in that refrigerated section because refrigerated foods in general from that, from that point moving forward, uh, late 90s into the uh, early 2000s, just grew at a great rate. Right, right, right. I My my son lives in Austin, Texas, so you go to the Whole Foods in Austin, Texas, mm-hmm. and the the center of this the store, every time I go in there, is getting smaller and smaller. It's like right. disappearing in that mm-hmm. store, and that that's where they experiment with new formats and stuff. It's like now it's like going to a series of restaurants and a craft brewery <laughs> in the grocery know, store. Isn't that crazy? (laughs) It's so fun. It's so fun. Yeah. So okay. So this was still maybe the late 1990s when when you're describing that time. That is correct. Yeah. And uh, my impression. I wonder what your impression of this is. But my impression is that um, back in that time, that it was really hard to get your product on a shelf, but there wasn't so much competition in the in all the categories, right? So once you got on the shelf, it was in a way a little bit easier to get off the shelf. I would completely agree with you. It yeah. was most of the stores that I got on got into, it was pretty much just I'm a local fresh pasta maker. Right. Um would you be interested? And mm-hmm. since there wasn't really anyone else doing it, mm-hmm. uh, there was another company in Milwaukee called Bella Luna. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say they were probably my closest, what I would call, competition. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was kind of like the new guy on the block. And with right. every new, with every store, sometimes they're looking for something a little bit new. So, mm-hmm. you know, um, Phil Woodman, I actually called the office and asked, you know, hey, would you be interested mm-hmm. in this? And he's like, yes, of course. Just go over to Woodman's East. Tell him I said that, you know, I, I would be right. interested in this product. And it was on the shelf. So, yes, it was easier to get on the shelf. I would I, definitely agree. Yeah, yeah. So because there just wasn't so much activity, right? There mm-hmm. um, there weren't all so many young brands, local, and local food wasn't a thing, right? right. I mean, you were you were such a pioneer in that. It, yeah. <laughs> I didn't realize, didn't realize it at the time, but yes. Mm-hmm, you were. Uh, absolutely. Now, I, now I look at the age of our company and I'm like, hmm, we're hmm. one of the older ones. <laughs> you are. It makes you like, yeah, we won't say granddaddy. We won't say that. <laughs> no. So, okay. So you built out kind of regional distribution over the, over the, um, I don't know what the first ten years of the company, yeah, 10, something 12 like years, ten, yeah. twelve years, yeah. and and you have a food service element to your business too, right? Correct, correct. Yeah. In fact, the the company pretty much started in the food service channel, right. um, and then retail kind of took over. Uh, mm-hmm. But you know, the food service was still doing doing well. It mm-hmm. it kept pace with everything else. Um, but yeah, so we definitely have a food service channel. Mm-hmm. Is it still about fifty fifty or no? The food service is probably more like. 
10, oh, 15%. Really? Okay, percent. so smaller. Um, yeah. But um, that's actually something I'm working on now to grow. But there's, mm-hmm. a, there's other categories that I didn't expect would grow, and I'm mm-hmm. sure we'll touch on that yeah. as we Yeah, 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 yeah. And so when you started, you were making like egg, like fettuccine and things like that, right? With yeah. traditional kind of Italian Yes. Recipes. In fact, you know, I was very traditional, and I was going mm-hmm. to stick to my guns on that one. It was semolina and whole egg, and mm-hmm. I was doing egg, spinach, and squid. Okay, that's, that's it. it. I'm like, don't mess with it. These are the traditionals. Mm-hmm. Don't mess with it. And sure enough, of course, probably I we guess the very first farmer's market year. Right. Uh, people are like, oh, do you do tomato basil? Yeah. Do you do lemon pepper? Yeah. And I'm like, oh. why would I want to do that? Mm-hmm. And well, you know, so I started moving with the consumer, mm-hmm. uh, came up with flavors and which they were all great products. Right. They were great, but it right. just, it didn't fit my picture of traditional Northern Italian. Mm-hmm. Um, but I didn't realize where that would lead. Mm. Um, you know, there were definitely when the Atkins diet was in people asking for low carb pasta, which that was definitely more of a challenge. I will oh, say that we yeah. did try, mm-hmm. um, but never really hit that. And then of course people asking for gluten free right. that one I didn't expect either. And, you know, went to work on that one and found a recipe or right. developed a recipe. Mm-hmm. And I didn't realize where that was going to go. Yeah. Yeah. So gluten-free pasta. So your gluten-free pasta, you can eat that and you have no idea it's gluten-free. I mean, I, I've i never had another pasta that was in undistinguishable, indistinguishable. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's amazing. I would completely agree. I, I was even skeptical. Um, the reason I, I went to develop it, there was a friend of mine that uh, came to the farmer's market mm-hmm. uh, and you know, she, I could tell there was a, some emotion in her, in her eyes that mm-hmm. she was like, I can't buy your pasta anymore because oh, I've been diagnosed right. and I have to go gluten free. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I'm like, wow, you know, I'm a foodie. Mm-hmm. So I, I can understand how, what it would mean to change. If I didn't, couldn't eat pasta, oh my God, what You're would right. I do? Oh, right, would right. I have no idea what I do. So that, so that really gave me the impetus to really go after mm-hmm. it and develop that recipe. And right. yeah, I just remember that it was a very early morning. I was typically always going to work at 3.30 or 4 in the morning. And here it was six in the morning and I mixed up this recipe and I made some and it came together perfectly like pasta. I put it in the boiling water and I ate it and I'm just like, wow, I... I cannot tell this is gluten-free. Yeah. And uh, we have a local grocery store here in Madison, the Willie Street Co-op. Mm-hmm. You know, very close with all of them because they mm-hmm. were selling our, our semolina-based products. And I literally went down to the store with a bowl of gluten-free pasta what at 6 hoot. in the morning. I'm like, can you guys just try this? Is, am I crazy or does mm-hmm. this just taste like pasta? Um, so that was a very early validation that I had hit a recipe that was spot on. Yeah, 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 yeah. And that... Has just exploded, right? In your in terms of your business, didn't didn't expect that. It, yeah, it, it definitely exploded. Yeah, yeah. And it's there's something you you stumbled on something because I have, as I said, I've never really had another gluten free pasta that didn't taste bland and mouthfeel was different. Like everything about it was different, mm-hmm. right? And there's none of that with your gluten free pasta. Yeah, 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 I would totally agree. And you know. So we had it, you know, we had this great product, right? And then, then came the challenge, though, of it's gluten free, and right. here we have a facility that is you not know, gluten is free. not gluten right. free. We have thousands of pounds of semolina around, and um, but you know, we did our we did our darndest to you know manage it well with allergen programs, uh, you know, doing full clean downs, mm-hmm. running it on the weekend when nothing else was running, um, and it was in. I, if I'm remembering correctly, it was in a. You come into your old building. It was in a to the left, right, and your and your. Well, the very very the first right. one was was just a little nook to the right, you know. Oh, you know, right. In, okay. And we just had a plastic curtain hanging okay, there. Yeah. I mean, it was it was literally just like this little right. nook where right, we right. shoved the machine. And right. Like, how do we separate this? Yeah. So, crazy. Um, but. So at that time, you know, this this was the challenge. It was, you know, less than 2% of our income, probably closer yeah. to 1%. Right. And it's like, we have a great product, mm-hmm. but it's such a small percentage of our of our income. Do we keep it or do we kill it? Mm-hmm. And I was really on the, on the fence and I was like, I, I almost feel like we should kill it, but it's such a good product and mm-hmm. I see how it's received by people. Right. And so I thought, all right. We decided to bite the bullet, keep it. Mm-hmm. But if we were going to keep it, 
we had to upgrade our program and give it its dedicated equipment, mm-hmm. give it its dedicated room. So went ahead and went to work in that that space that we had and, and mm-hmm. built out a very small, it wasn't a very big room, no, but it was it dedicated. It. it was segregated. Yeah. Yeah. It had its own equipment. And so after after doing that investment, it's kind of like, okay, we've invested in it. Now maybe we should go show everybody. Right. And that was the first year we decided to go to Expo West uh, out in Anaheim. Okay. Yeah. I believe it was 2010. Yeah. And maybe it, 2011. Right, right. And Crazy time, right? Because I was there with, with Tara's Way. We launched. Yeah, we were there for there the first was, time in 2009. It was nutty. It was, yeah, there was so much going on. I had... I had the first time you see that show, you just can't believe it. Like, really? <laughs> it's so big. It's so crazy. Yeah. It definitely puts into perspective, you know, what's really happening in the food industry and the uh, supplements industry oh, and just yeah. everything. But that, to think that that show, you know, you've... Well, I Trying to remember if it, I think it was like eighty thousand people come together, know. and that's just the natural foods channel. I that know. had nothing to do with your conventional I uh, know. channels. So we get there, and you know we have our RP's pasta, which is our semolina base. Yeah. We you know we had worked on that recipe as well, just to kind of get better shelf life, mm-hmm. knowing that we could distribute to the coasts now. Right, and uh, so we have fourteen of our RP's pasta brand semolina mm-hmm. yeah. on the table, and we have three. Yeah, gluten free yep. sitting on the table, and uh, with a little sign that says gluten free pasta. Right. I didn't have a sign that said semolina pasta right, because right. That, that's pasta. So everyone assumed that everything on the table was gluten free, oh. and I, so it was very difficult to explain to people over and over again. Right. Right. No, this is these three these are gluten free. Right. Literally, I think within the first forty five minutes, we took all the semolina pasta off the table. Oh my god! And yeah. sat at our first Expo West show with three skews on the table, and boom, it exploded. It, Isn't it just that amazing? Blew up. You know, we were sampling the pasta, and it, it's a 99.999% people were, wow. Yeah. Can't believe it's gluten-free. Yeah. So that was a good thing that we yeah, kept it. Yeah, good thing you kept <laughs> it. Yeah, isn't that funny? I mean, sometimes I think it's it's hard. I know it's hard for food entrepreneurs in the Midwest because, you know, we're kind of behind in a lot of things usually, right? And so food mm-hmm. is definitely, right? So what people want for food around here is not really what is going on on the coast, right? Right. Yeah. That's another reason that show is so valuable for people who aren't in the coast, you know, go to that show. That, right? you know, that, that's a very good point because, you know, we did struggle with trying to sell the gluten-free in the Midwest. Yeah. Um, and I don't, I wouldn't say we, we struggle with it now, but... When no, we first but, came out with it, yeah. I mean, we were blazing a new path. I mean, mm-hmm. number one, gluten-free was new. Number two, gluten-free that's refrigerated was unheard Heard of. of. So right. for, for most people, it was kind of like, you know, they, they didn't understand. Yeah, like, what is this? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I, I get it. Yeah, so, and the, I had that... I had that experience with our whey protein too. Like that, the West Coast in particular was so ready for that whey mm-hmm. protein. Understood it, you know. Back here, I was like, "What's whey?" You know, and I'm like <laughs> back at Little Miss Muffet around here, right? So, yeah, it's just different, yeah. and that's that's yeah. still true, you know. Yeah. Anyway, so you launched it at, at Expo, and it did really well. So that right. now took you really into into pretty much national distribution. Right? Yeah, we I mean, did actually end up getting national distribution pretty quickly. Yeah. Um, you know, Whole Foods was one of the early early adopters to, mm-hmm. to jump in, um, mm-hmm. and that was really wonderful. Uh, they, right. they were, because, you know, they, they were always pretty good at blazing something new, especially new categories. And, yeah. Um, so they're, they're a wonderful partner of ours, and we mm-hmm. like working with them. Uh, but that kind of got us on the shelf somewhere, and then other people saw it, and it was like, wow. So, yeah, our distribution really did expand. West Coast, as you had mentioned, they were the earliest adopters, and mm-hmm. it, it grew rapidly on the West Coast. Right. And so we had our gluten-free pasta pretty much all across the country. Our semolina pasta, you know, kind of remained mm-hmm. in the Midwest. Right. As there, there's lots of other pasta companies out there. So right. I just, instead of trying to be uh, overly competitive, I said, well, let's just focus on the gluten-free mm-hmm. for our retail outside right. of the Midwest region. And that was a very good choice. Yeah, it sounds like it. Because every time you have to support all those SKUs, right? And so mm-hmm. you, have, you have a lot of SKUs too. So that would have taken a lot of money to support all of them. 
nationally. Yes, yes right? I would agree. Yeah, yeah. So, um, so that has grown like crazy growth, right? I mean, not like little, <laughs> you know. I, I would say since we, from the time that we showed the gluten free at Expo West, it greater than fifty percent year over year. Mm-hmm. A couple of years were seventy and eighty percent. Yeah. Um, so yeah, then you fast forward to 2018. Mm-hmm. We're more widely known as a gluten-free pasta company yeah. than anything else. Yeah, um, which wasn't part of the business plan or the thought, but it still eats like pasta. I love oh, it. God, um, yeah. You know, it, sometimes business has to move. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you, if you're too rigid in business, mm-hmm. you might get stuck somewhere. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> And it is interesting, isn't it? Because they are these ideas that we start our businesses with. They become like our babies, right? I had I tell people my my version of that was Madagascar bourbon vanilla way. You know, it had to be mm-hmm. that way, the best vanilla on the planet, right? right? Organic Madagascar bourbon vanilla. Just think about how much it costs, how inconvenient it is, <laughs> how expensive the product was, and I had to give that up. And it turned out I wasn't actually giving that much up. But it's a big psychological thing. Very much so, yeah. So yeah. That, that whole concept of it, it's got to be this, it has to be these ingredients. But, you know, the consumer can view it very differently. They can mm-hmm. see greater attributes in, in your product than even you can see. And maybe mm-hmm. you're, maybe we're, we're, as the entrepreneurs, we're focusing on the wrong part. Right, right. Isn't that funny? <laughs> it, yeah. is. it is. So when I first saw you, you had that, you had, you'd graduated from the nook to, and you were in the small gluten The dedicated room, yeah. Dedicated room. Um, and you were starting to be busting at the seams in that building. Like you were pretty darn full. Very much so. Very much so. And uh, so at that time, we were had been renting to a coffee company that had mm-hmm. 4,000 square feet in the back of the building. Oh, that's right, right. And, you know, we had been always in discussion. We both all th- thought, oh, you know, we'll go five years, and then you guys will probably grow out of your space, and then that's probably when we'll need it. And, yeah, like... Like, right, that didn't <laughs> like, happen. Like planning when your growth is really going to happen. Right, it's like right. planning a family, right? Right, um, right. But luckily, yeah, the gluten-free start, started to explode right at the same time that they had this tremendous opportunity to buy, you know, kind of buy another company and move mm. into a much larger space. Timing couldn't have been more perfect. Um, and it all, so we moved our gluten-free production back to that mm-hmm. back 4,000 square feet, uh, also dedicated. While I was having challenges with going into the food service channel. Right. Because, you know, at this point, restaurants still, you know, they, they really enjoyed the product, but allergen control, training back of the house, you know, that had not come forward like mm. uh, the retail market and the new diets and mm-hmm. gluten-free and, you know, the food service just is always, always lags behind a little bit. Right, right. So I was like, well, how do I, how do I address this challenge? How do I make mm-hmm. it easier for them? And I came up with this idea. How, what if we boil it? Right. You know, we cook it for them. Yeah. You know, we freeze it mm-hmm. and we put it in a bag. And so when it comes time for service, if someone needs pasta gluten-free, you grab a bag and mm-hmm. you just microwave it or heat it up in a saute pan. So we're at Expo West, and a, a young company had come by, and they, they mm-hmm. were they were big into burritos, and they had some pasta, frozen pasta mm-hmm. entrees on the market, and they tried the pro- our gluten free pasta, right? And they were just blown away. So okay, now what do we do about this? How do we mm-hmm. get our product into them? Uh, and so I explained to him. I said, well, what if we boil it, and then all you have to do is put it in the bowl with your sauce, right? He's like. I'll buy 100,000 pounds from you, shake my hand. And so we committed to each other right at right. that point. I went back to the factory and started looking for equipment. I mean, I already had the concept yeah, design. Yeah, yeah. Put it together and shoved it into that 4,000 square feet. and It was an IQF yep. line, right? Yep. So yeah, we a fully small cooked, one. Yep. Like, yep. I've never seen an IQF line that small. So that's <laughs> like, it's like you engineering this, I'm sure. But yeah. 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 But, but, you know, when you refer to small, small for, is for, a relative for, for, for thing, people in manufacturing, right? small, this line was only about 60 feet long. Right. <laughs> right. That's small for IQF. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Um, but boy, did that open the door! His first year, they bought three hundred thousand um, pounds. So we we quickly outgrew that space, yeah. mo- mostly 
And this is something that people really need to think about with their throughputs. Yeah. That I hadn't learned yet is mm-hmm. you can put in a machine that can make thousands of pounds. Mm-hmm. Make sure you know where you're going to put it, yeah. oh, what you're going to no, do with right, it, and right. where you're going to store it. Yeah. So that, that became our biggest challenge. Uh, yeah. We ended up really leaning a lot on our distributors and our friends mm-hmm. to come by with trucks every day to pick up product oh and store God, it in a freezer before we could right. ship it. You know, exactly. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. So that, that, was, that was a very that, funny that time. That was crazy. That was crazy. So then you needed a really big facility. Right. And that is that mostly that that frozen product is that mostly going to prepared food manufacturers or is it restaurants now? I mean, it, they come? it is currently greatest into the prepared foods manufacturers. Mm-hmm. So okay. that that would be where people, if there's a microwavable pasta entree right. that's you know with sauce mm-hmm. or vegetables, uh, mm-hmm. whether it be in a bag or a bowl, um, yes, it's, mm-hmm. yeah, they would buy truckloads of, of this product convert it into these entrees, and then mm-hmm. off it goes to the grocery stores. Nice. Nice. Yeah. But so that the original idea was to go after the food service channel. It just right. kind of got on the back burner while we managed this whole contract manufacturing yeah, uh, arm yeah. for other people. Mm-hmm. And uh, But back to that. Yeah. Back to that. Yeah. Got to grow that. Because it really is the answer for back of the house. Right. In the, in the, in the restaurant. Yeah. World. Yeah, because they're not going to be able to make their own gluten-free pasta, and yeah, no, and that's so true. It's yeah. So okay, so you're now in a building, you're busting at the seams, you're in national distribution, and accounts are getting bigger, right? Mm-hmm. Accounts are getting bigger, liabilities are getting bigger. We need a bigger space. Um, so that there was kind of a point. We literally looked at it. I mean, we're doing well. We were profitable, and we could just kind of put the brakes on and say, we're doing very well here. Let's just manage what we have. Mm -hmm. It's a really hard thing for an entrepreneur to do, number one. Right. Um, Number two, the gluten-free product I felt was good enough that we really should try and get go further with mm-hmm. it and make sure it's available to more people. Right. In order to do that, we needed a lot more space. So right. we did start the search uh, for, for buildings. Yeah. Um, with that search came the reality mm-hmm. of the cost of expansion, yeah. especially when it's uh, another building, because it's not like just buying a piece of equipment. Mm-hmm. You can equate sales and amortize, and a building is, is a big nut. Yeah. So we were looking at uh, north of $2 million just, on the just low for end, the building, you know, yeah. just just to get everything done, mm-hmm. just to get everything done. Um, well, it's at the same time there was a, a wonderful gentleman that had been, you know, approached us in the past, mm-hmm. wondering if we would need financial help. Mm-hmm. Uh, would we be interested in selling to him? Mm-hmm. Um, he came back with a with an opportunity mm-hmm. to potentially create more of a natural foods brand company, mm-hmm. which you know RPs would become part of. Mm-hmm. We would have uh, be able to raise some funds and have the 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 monetary access to be able to go and build mm-hmm. build out a new building, right? Uh, and put all these companies, these three mm-hmm. companies at the time, uh, underneath one roof, right? With the as fast as the food. Uh, businesses were moving, I mm-hmm. thought, well, maybe this is a great opportunity to let's just get on board yeah. with uh, with investment mm-hmm. and get get over this hump and mm-hmm. get to the other side and then keep making a lot of product and get right, it out there. Right. So, you know, food companies growing them, I tell people it's, it's always a step function. It's not this small, smooth curve, <laughs> right? You know, like because customers can't get bigger and now like you've it maxed out your IQF line and now you need a bigger one. And, and it, it, the magnitude of the investment needed every time you go higher on the stairway is gets bigger. Yeah. Yeah, that that is a hundred percent true. I mean, you know, like our our first investment, you know, in the equipment for the first IQF line was probably for the equipment itself was mm-hmm. probably like three hundred thousand, right? You know, and now the this new line that we're putting in, uh, all said and done, is going to be one point two million. Yeah, just the line. Never mind just, anything just else. Yeah, yeah. Now, you know, we still have to hook it up. Yeah, we still have to. You know, yeah. There's a lot lot that goes into that, but. But the scale of the capacities that you can achieve also mm-hmm. scale with that. So, you know, it's not like you, you don't just double, you know, the, the next right. time you make an investment, 
You know, because if you could if you could fill the first line mm-hmm. that easily, imagine how quickly you'd s- fill it if you just doubled. Right. So you know, you look at doing eightfold, tenfold. Right. You know, because that's the amount of investment proportional is is a lot less to what you could then output as you get yeah. uh, get to the point of filling the line. Right. 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 And so that that whole like thinking through your growth strategy as it relate as, when you manufacture like this is a whole different beast, right? So, yes. yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's so were you able to like line up contracts? Do you, do you like, or not, if not contracts, like letters of intent from a big customer or something to help, to help everybody feel good about, you know, 10 Xing the size of your capacity <laughs> or yeah. Well, um, we don't have letters of intent. Um, and for, you know, other entrepreneurs that are out there or business people, you know, manufacturers, mm-hmm. letters of intent, as wonderful as they sound, mm-hmm. is literally just an intent. Yeah, it holds nobody to anything. anything I get it. Um, it. It is nice to have something mm-hmm. on paper. It is nice to have something that you can point to and say, mm-hmm. "Hey, remember this is what we talked about." Right. Um, so I don't. I tend to tr- not really mm-hmm. go after asking for letters of intent because mm-hmm. I feel that sometimes on the customer side they feel like, well, why are you pushing me for right, that? Right. Yeah. We're, we're you know, everybody's at risk when you go into growth and people mm-hmm. are trying to launch new products. Um, but we do we do have serious conversations with right. the potential customers mm-hmm. to under. Actually, it's better to understand their market, mm-hmm. what they're doing on their side, mm-hmm. um, to make you feel better. It, it's not right. so much oh you know committing to I'll buy this because yeah. you can have someone commit to buying three hundred thousand pounds and it flops after fifty thousand right. pounds. Right. So it's better to understand their model mm-hmm. and how they're gonna uh, take it out. Yeah. Um, but yeah, for this new line, uh, we do have a customer that has stated to us that mm-hmm. they're going to give us three million pounds mm-hmm. as soon as it's up and running. Amazing, and isn't it? So, three million pounds in I one. I know. It's like really. <laughs> Does anybody buy three million pounds of pasta all at once? It was funny when I did Tara's Way when we were building our factory. I had to get letters of intent that the the lenders would not. Mm-hmm. The lenders would not go forward without them. And I, I totally get what you're saying about because half of the people who signed them never did what they said they would do. <laughs> uh, it's funny. But it seems to be something that the financial community leans heavily on. Yes. Yeah. Yes. The bank the banks definitely want to see that. And mm-hmm. I think that, you know, what what that gives them is that you are actually having that conversation with that I customer. Totally so agree. I do I, I do understand it. And yeah. and I would not be surprised at all if every lender also understands that every letter of intent is right. probably a thirty percent yeah. pull rate. I think also what it shows is that you're having those kinds of conversations. So if that one falls through, you can have that with somebody else. Correct. You know, you have the it's demonstrating your ability to have the conversation, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, yes. Yeah. So anyway, oh my God, three million. Pounds at a time. Oh my God! I mean, I well over a year, but yeah, oh my yeah. God! But that's in addition to what we're doing already I, maxed oh, out right. on the other line. Maxed so, on the other one. You know, so so for a ten million pound line, you know, we might be coming out of the gate already at you know five and a half million. Wow. You know, so yes, I mean another five million is a lot to sell. Yeah. But, you know, I I feel very confident we'll be doing. Yeah. That. Yeah. 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 That is terrific. So now, so now you're a part of Tribe Nine, correct? Right? That's what the 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 if you want to call it the umbrella organization. Yep. yep. Yeah. That is the parent company, the, and mm-hmm. yeah. So so when I was mentioning that that gentleman that came uh, w- with the offer, um, it was it was actually kind of a, a great idea to merge. Kind of, kind of merge. I mean, we mm-hmm. we're, we're all part of tri- we are Tribe Nine now. Right. That is the name of the company, and like RP's Pasta is a brand, brand yeah. within Tribe Nine, along with Yum Butter, which is nut butters, yeah. and Ona Foods, which mm-hmm. do uh, grain free cookies and yeah. honey sweetened treats. Um, so we, our idea is, you know, we are a lifestyle brand mm-hmm. as Tribe Nine, and we look to continue to grow that, mm-hmm. add brands. Uh, to kind of fit, fit within that model of uh, mm-hmm. of healthy eating lifestyle. Right. Right. Cool. Yeah. Cool. So part of the, well, I, so you have a big ass building. You must <laughs> have a big building, right? It is. It's a yeah. I think we, gosh, fifty five thousand square feet now, wow. and the previous building was ten. Yeah. So. 
Yeah. yeah. yeah and we, you do, thought do you'd do never space. fill it up, and I bet it's getting full. Oh, the freezers are, you know, again. Already you know, full? I, I, after everything I learned that I told you, like, you know, right. where, where yep, are you going to yep, put it? Yeah. Oh, we thought we spent plenty of space, filled it up, filled it up. So we're, all, we're already looking for off-site storage for our frozen. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. Well, you're close to, who, what is that big um, frozen? Uh, central storage warehouse. Central storage, yes, yeah. Yes, which we, we have used them in the past, yeah, and I will, yeah, we'll yeah. be back to using them again You'll in the future. You'll be back, <laughs> yeah. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. It's so crazy, yeah. So um, um, what was the surprise when you went over there to the new, you know, to the new facility? Into the new facility? Um, the surprise was, you know, you think you understand... Um, how to lay a place out, like all the uh, utilities you need and, you know, how people will do things. But with, with every little change that occurs and, you know, everybody's kind of function changes a little bit and the traffic patterns change a little bit. I mean, we, we did do a really good job, I will say, but uh, it, it definitely, it took about a year to grow into it for mm-hmm. everyone to kind of like, like when trucks back up to the door with ingredients, where should they go right away? Right. You know, it was like, you know, like slotting process. Like, mm-hmm. oh, wait, now let's put it all the organic stuff here. Let's mm-hmm. put this stuff here. It was all planned, but it's uh, when it when it comes down to the nitty gritty and the one to one, this person does that, this person does that. It takes a while for everyone to understand their new roles mm-hmm. and responsibilities mm-hmm. uh, within yeah. a new space. So. Your role has got to have changed so much over the years, right? Because you started mm-hmm. out as doing everything, I mean, literally in your kitchen, right? And yes. And now how many employees are there in Tribe 9? Altogether, I think we're 45, almost 50, I believe. 50 employees, yeah. yeah. So that's a lot. Big change. Big change. Big change, yeah. yeah. When, when we were just our piece pasta company, when, uh, when we chose to become Tribe 9, mm-hmm. I think we were 28 or 30 employees. Um, and, uh, you know, production-wise, you know, we have grown, but we've grown a lot more, I'd say, on the on the administrative side. Oh, sure. Um, because in order to really grow and push products out and manage mm-hmm. logistics and the order-taking, mm-hmm. that's where you actually end up needing more people. You, right. you know, with the lines, we can pump out more pounds. Mm-hmm. Um, we need more people keeping eyes on those pounds mm-hmm. to move them around. <laughs> yeah, and sales and marketing and all those mm-hmm. things to get it out. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, very yeah. Much so. so do you still do a lot of sales and marketing for the company? Uh, I My role has changed quite a bit. Okay. Um, so when, when we decided to become Tribe 9, yeah. um, I did give up the role of CEO. Okay. <clears throat> and I, I'm kind of happy to have done that because as an entrepreneur... I have a very creative mind, mm-hmm. and I, I'm i a problem solver, and I, I like to get my hands on things. And the company was at a size where it really should have been turned over to someone who was going to be a CEO and manage right, the company. Right, <clears throat> And I went back to product development, process engineering, mm-hmm. um, and sales, because yeah. that's what I'm really good at. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. And, and it's been it's it's been well, really nice. People, those customers have relationships with you that go back years, right? So oh, very much so. Yeah, very much yeah. so. And and I, I didn't want to give that up. Mm-hmm. I, I, those relationships are important, mm-hmm. and uh, you know I think that's it, it's harder to turn over relationships. Um, Absolutely, than very it is hard. To turn over a responsibility to mm-hmm. manage money. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, until, until you did the tribe nine thing, you, you were, um, you were funding this all through bank for the most part, right? Bank debt. Right? Oh, hundred percent. hundred percent. Yeah. Yes. So, so I look at your business and think, you know, you kind of slowly methodically grew this business over a long period of time using bank debt by managing growth and all of that. But Mm. there had to have been times along the way where you were like two weeks from not being able to make payroll. Oh, (laughs) there there were more times than that. And sometimes it was worse than that. It was worse Um, than that. Yeah. Well, as I mentioned, I'm a very creative person. Mm -hmm. Um, So, uh, you know, grew the brand, grew the SKUs, you know, the, the items that we were offering, um, was really having fun with it. Um, we opened a restaurant at one point. Oh, and right, right, right. So we had a Early lot on, going yeah. on. And, you know, I was looking at the outward opportunities. And, mm. you know, I kind of got so busy with that that there wasn't really anyone looking at the inside. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And there, yeah, there were plenty of times that, you know, we banged our heads and it's just like, why do we do this? I, I'll give it to someone for a dollar. You're right. You right. know, I just, I, I can't do this anymore. Right. Um, and, you know, when you have a good brand and you're out there, you tend mm-hmm. to, a lot of people come out of the woodwork and they're mm-hmm. offering their help. They're offering money. Would you like an investment? Yeah. You know, and I always poo-poo that because I'm just mm-hmm. like, we're fine. Yep. We're fine the way we are. Mm-hmm. You know, like I like the model we're in. And then uh, finally the day came and it's like, wait a minute. Nope. We're not okay. Right. I need some help. Yeah. Um, yeah, at this point, I, I felt like I was veteran. I made it past five years as an entrepreneur. Yeah, I was like, yeah, I know yeah. what the heck right. I'm doing. Right. Um, but a wonderful gentleman uh, by the name of Rich Churchek, mm-hmm. uh, you know, came, he essentially just gave me a call and he's mm-hmm. like, I'd like to help you. And the first time I just, you know, I ignored him and right. I'm like, no, we're fine. And, uh, you know, he came back. He did know my parents and he oh, vacationed, okay. you know. I didn't realize he, he, that. He, he yeah. knew the brand. He knew um, the brand. He definitely right. knew the brand, which, right? Yeah. Which that, that gave him a lot more credibility mm-hmm. above anyone else that ever called. Right. You know, he actually knew what we did and right. he liked the product. So I was like, all right, let's give it a try. Mm-hmm. Lo and behold, best thing we ever did. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a, the, the basic rule. He just implemented in the first two weeks. You just do your 80-20. Mm-hmm. Uh, we probably had 75 uh, retail mm-hmm. SKUs that we are doing at least. Oh, my God. Um, and quickly cut that down to 14. Yeah. You know, Isn't uh, that crazy? 14 or 20. Did I, that, like, hurt when that was going oh on? Oh, gosh, not at all. I was so excited. You were happy? Well, Isn't because that interesting? I, I mean, you know, I understand business. Yeah. And I understand that, you know... 80% of your income comes from 20% of, mm-hmm. of what you're making. I, I do understand that. But as the creative person, I know, you it's like so those. easy to add. I mean, yeah. it, it, you know, I, we dropped a mushroom sauce at one point, and I heard about it for years. Like, oh, mm-hmm. I love that mushroom sauce. Right. And it's like, well, yeah, you were one of the 20 people 20 a month people that bought who, it. You yeah, know, right, it's like, right. I really needed like thousands yeah, right, of you. Right, right. Um, so it was, it was actually very liberating for someone else to help take some of those responsibilities. Mm-hmm. Um, of the financial component mm-hmm. so I could continue to be creative and do sales. Right, uh, right. So Rich was a really, really phenomenal addition to the company. Yeah. You know, he was uh, right brain, I was left brain type yeah. thing. And so we worked well together. We uh, tightened everything up. And that's really when we decided to come, you know, go mm-hmm. to market and show the products nationally because we had made everything profitable and we had mm-hmm. the SKUs that were home runs. And those are the ones that we... Took, took out took there. To, so. to Expo, yeah. Yeah. That's, that's terrific, yeah. And it, it, isn't it interesting how we, we, you get to a point and the company just outgrows you in a way, right? I, I remember with Tara's where I had this, like, feel, like this sense one day, I'm like, oh my God, um, it, Tara's Way is a brand now. It isn't me anymore. Like mm-hmm. things happen and I'm not here. And, you know, it's right. it's such a weird feeling when you're an, a founder, right, to have, to have this. And now we had this, I had a management team and it was just like, <laughs> oh my God, this is so weird. It, yeah. it is weird, but at the same time, if you embrace it, it can be very, oh, very, very liberating and, and, and let you do what you're supposed to be doing. Yeah, so. yeah, exactly, exactly. So, yeah, so then um, Rich helped you with banks too, right? I mean, he oh, helped, big time. helped that all along. Yeah, the, the very first thing that he identified, um, well, of course, this was all, a lot of, a lot of what we're going to start talking about right now mm-hmm. happened in 2008. Right, right. And everybody right. knows oh there, was this, was massive, massive there was this massive meltdown. massive oh, crash. You know, yep. everybody thought everything was going to go into the tank. Right. You know, meanwhile, mm-hmm. we were becoming very profitable. Right. And on, on this great growth pattern. Mm-hmm. And so we were challenged with banks. You know, we had a fifty thousand dollar line of credit, and that was That's a very like nothing oh, at, it's, the, it's, at it's the time nothing. that you, for given what you were the scale of your business at the time, that's like nothing, right? Right, exactly. And that that was you know I wasn't looking at that, but right? Rich, now that he was looking at the numbers, he's like, the first thing we have to do is we have to up the, the line, line of credit, credit. to a hundred thousand, right? But given the bank climate, right? Could. When we talked to the bank, said we'd like to up it to mm-hmm. one hundred thousand. They said um, we're actually going to reduce it to twenty five. Oh my god! Because the banks yeah, were yeah. tightening no, they up. Were cr- you know, they were they contracting. Were, they, they thought I was they, they building didn't know my factory that year. So oh my, my god, yeah. 
<laughs> it was bizarre. That was anyway. a very, very tough year. But yeah. but we, you know, Rich, Rich, you know, had wonderful relationships with some of the banks around yeah. town. Yeah. Um, Oak Bank in particular, mm-hmm. uh, in, located in Fitchburg, loved those guys. Mm-hmm. Uh, they came to the table and uh, we, we moved banks and mm-hmm. uh, they've been a phenomenal partner ever since. Yeah, um, nice. There's, you know, this is one thing I would say to a lot of entrepreneurs when it comes to, you know, how to finance a business mm-hmm. that... I even kind of had the same idea. It's great to try and have as little debt as possible. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it sounds wonderful. Mm-hmm. But the problem is that all your cash that goes in goes right back out to finance the growth of the business. Mm-hmm. And, you know, if that's possible, good to you. But as you had alluded to earlier, that, you know, growth in business is not this beautiful linear line right. that you can just carve off. Five percent of your margin mm-hmm. that always goes into the business, right, you know, right. while you still, you know, keep making money, it comes to a point where you have to buy hundreds of thousands of yeah. dollars of equipment. You have to buy inventory, mm-hmm. you know, um, and so you know, learning how to navigate and use debt mm-hmm. um, and what the cost of debt is, mm-hmm. because a lot of people forget that debt does come with cost. Mm-hmm. Um, so in pricing your products, in mm-hmm. looking at your distribution channels, uh, you know, debt can be very, very advantageous. Yeah, yeah. So, I, I actually, <clears throat> I mean, people find it crazy, but I, I'd say, you know, when I, I ran a 100-year-old food company, White Clover Dairy, right, and we had $50 million in sales, we had an operating line of credit. Like, every, uh, you know, every major food company mm-hmm. has an operating line of credit. You have to. Oh, you have to. Other, yeah. And we, we start out with this idea that we don't need debt, right, and, it, and then you don't. We're not saying you need to buy a house with a credit card. You know, there's good debt and bad debt. But right. Yeah, definitely. So, but anyway, you did an impressive thing to grow your business incrementally the way you did for as many years as you did. Yeah. And without bringing in outside investment. And I, I part of me thinks right now, just given the competitive nature of the industry at the moment, that like brands have to get. I, people hear me say, "Get big or go home." Like you gotta, you gotta have establish your your the strength of your brand faster. And I mm-hmm. don't know, what do you think about that? Oh, one hundred percent. Because um, if you come to market with a brand, you know, you get some, you know, you go out there, you get some good placement. Uh, you could get the most phenomenal distribution, mm-hmm. you know, and and bump your your revenues three, four, five million uh, by getting great distribution and placement. But if you're not backing that up with your message, your story, your promotions, um, touching your customer, you know, often, mm-hmm. um, those customers will switch brands mm-hmm. just as quickly as a grocery store will if something else new comes. Uh, it's it's like fishing, you know. <laughs> it's you, you don't get them on the hook, right? For you know, how many times do you pull your hook up and mm-hmm. they've eaten your worm, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, to really get a customer to uh, trust you as a brand mm-hmm. and make you a preferred brand and mm-hmm. continue to purchase your brand, mm-hmm. um, it, you got to spend some money to be in front of them. Yeah, you know, both through demos, through coupons, through like why why should they be buying RPs yeah, yeah. or Taste Republic mm-hmm. over anyone else's? And it's well, it's because of me. You know, right. and it's a great product, but right, right. but you, you can't always tell that story, right? So. And if they don't taste it, they have no way of knowing how great it is, right? right. And that comes at a cost. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. and the, I see the cost of getting, um, you know, getting sell through has definitely gone up since mm-hmm. I. Uh, I was at um, Expo last year, walking around, going, "I am so glad I didn't launch right now." You know, just because <laughs> it's so. It's almost overwhelming. Like consumers, everybody is kind of overwhelmed by all of this mm-hmm. at the moment. Yeah. 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 And even, even grocery stores now, you have to stay very, very close to your your customer as a grocery store. Yeah. Not, not, not always just your your end consumer. Um, because the grocery stores, you you know, you have to be a strong partner with them as well. Because yeah. uh, you know they're, you, know, you have to remember that the grocery store, as the buyer of your product, there's hundreds of people showing them products yeah. on a monthly basis, and there's not enough room in the grocery store. So if they're gonna put some, if they mm-hmm. find something they like, 
something has to come out. Yeah. And so, you know, stay as close to them as you can. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Isn't that, that's such good advice. So tell us, so I have seen your, I think I've seen at Willie Street, I've seen, I think the I'm trying to, the, the new pastas that you're doing. Yeah, the new the, brand. The lentil. There's a new brand, too. we got to yeah. talk about that. But there yeah. lentil, I think it was lent, yeah. lentil Yeah, there, that there's I've a red lentil, there. a red black lentil. bean, and a chickpea. Okay. And, and, and those three are actually organic as well. Okay, um, Because cool. we, we did identify that, you know, just as part of the mission of the company, I was, right. if, if it were up to me, everything would be organic. Yeah, yeah. Um, just because it's, it's a more natural way of eating right. in general. Um, but, you know, it comes with a cost, so yep. it's difficult to just shift everything over. So I was very mm-hmm. proud when we did add uh, nice. some nice alternative organic mm-hmm. items. Nice, yeah. Um, still like to see the gluten-free turn all organics at some yeah. point. But. Yeah, well, you know, it, as you know, business is a journey, right? <laughs> so, um, okay, so ta- tell us about um, about the brand. Yeah, we decided to do a brand makeover on yeah. the gluten-free uh, channel specifically. Yeah. Um, the reasoning for that was, you know, let's go back to the name of the company, RP's Pasta. Right. It, uh, it just kind of spawned out of a nickname that I had uh-huh. actually back when I was working at Electron- Electronic right. Theater Controls. So my nickname was RP. It was RP. RP. Oh, what so a hoot. It, it, was, it was kind of funny. And, yeah. Um, but, you know, I... Hey, people just called me RP, so mm-hmm. duh, of course right. it's going to be RP's RP pasta. pasta right, you know? right. Like, um, but, you know, the years go on and the years go on and, mm-hmm. you know, RP, you know, for me it means something. But mm-hmm. as you start expanding into, like, large mass retail and mm-hmm. going coast to coast in Canada, um, we decided to start looking at towards a name that might have a little bit more brand appeal to the mm-hmm, consumer. Mm-hmm. Um, so we did launch Taste Republic right. as our new gluten-free mm-hmm. category. Yeah. Uh, so for the most part, uh, everything in the retail category that mm-hmm. now goes out the door that's gluten-free in the pasta mm-hmm. is now labeled as Taste Republic. Taste Republic. And it's, cool. I think it's a great name. It's got yeah. a good ring to it, mm-hmm. you know. Um, Did you it, go through a whole, pro, you know, market identification process or something to identify? How did you come up with the name? Um, the brand. It, there was de- definitely quite quite a quite process. a lot of work. Yeah, quite, quite yeah. a process. Uh, looking for a name that would resonate. Uh, looking with for a the name target that, consumer. Yeah, yep. and and one that would actually have uh, some staying power. Mm-hmm. Um, because there, there are certain names that people come up with that are great. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then two things can happen. Either it falls off the radar right. or it gets overused. Mm-hmm. And next thing you know, you're, you know, you're in a mire somewhere, right. <laughs> whether it's right. too crowded or nobody at all. Um, but, yeah, we do believe that Taste Republic has some, has some mm-hmm. good legs. And uh, we're hoping to move into other areas of the mm-hmm. grocery store uh, mm-hmm. under the brand Taste oh, Republic. Oh, nice. Okay. Uh, mm-hmm. So that Taste Republic can be seen in multiple places in the grocery store mm, as nice. a trusted gluten-free brand. Yeah, nice, nice. Yeah, when when I did Tara's Way, people people tend to think it was just because it was me and I wanted my name on the can kind of thing. <laughs> but actually, we went through this big long process. That's why I asked the question. I think we looked at like, I don't know. We had we had kind of four different dis- distinct kind of approaches, uh, paths, if I want to say it. So like one was, was kind of a scientific sounding, you know, that was a path and it, we had a bunch of them. And, um, we ended up with my, with Tara's way because, um, Tara means earth and mm-hmm. in land with two R's, right? So it was earth and it was personal in a category where nothing is personal, right? In the supplement mm-hmm. industry, nobody is, you know, we had we had Annie's and we have that in food, but there was nothing like that in in um, supplements. And people mm-hmm. don't trust supplements, right? They they tend to think, you know, you think of the ads in the middle of the night, right, around mm-hmm. supplements, and yep. so they're like, oh, we don't trust the quality of that. And so bringing a personal thing into it, tying it to a person, was was intentional. And yeah. I tell if it was Sarah, my name was Sarah, it wouldn't have been Sarah's way. Like it because the Tara yeah. thing was really important because we were doing organic and natural. So yeah, yeah, yeah. I can see that. There's a big process though for naming, right? Naming is hard to get a oh. brand that is that is. Yeah, well that, done it, is hard. Just finding that name alone, yeah. I think, probably took us 
four months yeah, of yeah. meetings and yeah. rounds and rounds and yeah. you know there were lots of names that came through yeah. and uh, there's a lot of them I'm glad we didn't pick because yeah, right. then, then they did start to boil up and like that like I was saying so, you know, like one of the names you know just all, next thing you know I'll Expo West the next year, I swear I saw that name in oh, three really? different other company names. Oh my like, goodness. He's like, Thank goodness we didn't, we didn't do that, do that one. one. <laughs> yeah, isn't that crazy? Did you work with an agency or something? We did. We worked yeah. with Shine okay, uh, cool. right here in Madison. Yep. And uh, we worked with Kurt, and mm-hmm. great job those guys did. Yeah, yeah really enjoyed, nice. Really enjoyed the process. Cool. So, um, what, do you, what do you see for Tribe Nine over the next five years? Gosh, tremendous growth. Um, we one of the things that was very important when we put the whole company together mm-hmm. was also targeting the the growth of the private label mm, yeah, uh, that, that is going that. on yep. and also contract manufacturing. Yep. Um, when I when I first started the business, a huge part of the challenge was finding space, the cost to get started, um, and now in a in the much larger competitive world, uh, it's that's a really big leap for people to uh, develop a product, build a manufacturing space, and then give it trial in the market. Right. So co-manufacturing mm-hmm. is when you develop a product in, you know, whether it just be in your mind or on paper mm-hmm. or your own home kitchen, and you're like, I think I've got something great. There's plenty of companies out there that will take what you've come up with and make it for you. Mm-hmm. And then from there, it gets sold to the grocery store. So it, it's and essentially, they are your manufacturing. Right. Um, and it's a, a lot less input because mm-hmm. they already have all the equipment. Uh, they already have the process and the people. So a lot of people are moving to co-manufacturers to make their products. Mm-hmm. Um, so Tribe 9 has uh, incorporated a, a substantial portion of uh, of our assets and our equipment mm-hmm. dedicated to doing contract manufacturing, mm-hmm. uh, both in the, the nut butter and mm-hmm. the uh, cookies and private label through the pasta. So it's really, uh, it's been the, that shift in the consumer goods industry into mm-hmm. a lot of private label and it's been good for us. Good. Cool. So is that is that now a substantial part of your business? I wouldn't call it substantial, but it, it's it it's large enough growing, that you right? you keep it, you want to keep an eye on yeah, it, keep growing yeah, it. Yeah. Yes, yeah, it's a whole thing in and of itself, isn't it? Because people come with their recipes, and you got to get your recipes to work on your equipment at your scale, mm-hmm. and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, very yeah. much. There's a whole process that's involved with it. Um, because just just because you have equipment doesn't mean you can just do, do anything everything, with right? it. Yeah. Um, like on our pasta side, we are a nut-free facility, whereas on right. you know what we call our Bay 2 you know, is a nut facility. Right. So, so we can't do you know ravioli filled with you know with almond, almond milk right, right. cheese right. Um, mm-hmm. unless we were to make it in Bay 2. And mm-hmm. so you know there's. There are things, sometimes you have to say no. <laughs> right, right. Can't do everything. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I think it always surprises people when I when I tell people that at the time we sold Tara's Way, pretty much like roughly 80% of what we were doing was was not under our own brand, mm-hmm. right? And people people think that's, you know, I think there's this myth out here, out there that the real value is always in the brand, but it's also in having a profitable company, right? That and is really where the value that's is. That's really where the value is. And you don't get profitable in a manufacturing environment if you're not full usually or close to that's full. That's exactly correct. Yeah. 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 So, so to get there fast, it's very, it's very mm-hmm. smart to do co-packing or, or co-manufacturing or something for people. Yeah. And, and we actually, there is an arm of the office that that's, that's solely what they do mm-hmm. is they, they are out there, uh, for, you know, looking for people mm-hmm. that are looking for co-manufacturers, right. uh, uh, like the private label manufacturers association show, you know, we oh, always sure. have a presence there. Mm-hmm. We always have a table showing our capabilities mm-hmm. and it's amazing how many people are looking. Yeah. So. Well, you do some interesting <clears throat> things, right? That pouch, that yum butter is in a pouch. That's yes. a hard process. Not <laughs> a lot of people do that, right? Oh my gosh, yeah. very much so. <laughs> so I can see why you get a lot of interest in that because in, you're not just doing ordinary manufacturing, if that makes sense. That, that is correct. I mean, we when we got that pouching machine for, for the nut butters, 
there aren't many of those machines uh, no. in the United States right now. And you know, the convenience of having a pouch and just being able to, you know, grab a, grab a pouch of nut butter and, mm. you know, throw it in your purse or keep it in your car. Right. My favorite is in, in the desk drawer, yeah. you know, because where do people find that they snack the worst? Right, right. Is in the office. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, that it's just very convenient. You grab the mm-hmm. pouch, you take the cap off and mm-hmm. you squirt it on your apple and eat it. Yeah. Uh, whereas if you had a jar of peanut butter, right? you know, people aren't going to keep that on their desk and mm-hmm. a knife and it's just... It's too com- much, right? right. It becomes yeah, too yeah. much. So, yeah. So yeah. yes, that pouching technology that we're working with, uh, you know, it's a, it's a high speed machine, mm-hmm. and so everybody's like, "What kind of snack thing can we put in a pouch? Yeah. You know, what can we squeeze yeah. out of this pouch for mm-hmm. you know, in your kitchen?" Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, it's been neat, yeah. neat product. Yeah, neat product and and unique equipment. I would imagine other people are interested in. Yes. I mean, just a nut processing facility. Period. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and gluten-free. Like, we, we have all these shared-use kitchens in Wisconsin. We don't have a single one that's gluten-free. It's so frustrating to me. I'm like, would somebody just do this? You would draw people from all over the state. Yeah, you know, I, I think we probably would. But the, to speak to that, because, you know, gluten-free is still, like, say, you know, here in Madison, mm-hmm. where we're very familiar with dietary changes yeah, and restrictions. No, you're right. You know where the where the shared kitchens are trying to be put is you know I'd say a touch more to the rural side mm-hmm. because they're trying to develop new seeds and new mm-hmm. businesses and entrepreneurship out there, um, and dietary restrictions are still not high on the on, on the radar. Yeah, and yeah. so I think that's part of the reason. I get it. I totally get it. And we get to help put it on the radar, right? Because I think, <laughs> you know, to to. I mean, look at your own business, right? I mean, you started out making great semolina pasta, but the opportunity was really in the gluten-free, right? Mm-hmm. Very yeah. much so. Yeah. And that's, I don't see that going away. I don't, I think there are more and more people are having autoimmune things and they've, you know, the medical community has discovered it actually does help. I mean. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so. Well, the other, the other shift that we're seeing now that gluten-free has taken hold, mm-hmm. um, and we continue to develop and do R&D using, mm-hmm. you know, other uh, alternative flours uh, like our chickpea, our red lentil, mm-hmm. black bean, um, just alternative pastas in general, mm-hmm. whether they be classified as gluten-free or not, um, isn't, the, the consumer is just looking for a more healthful meal. Right. Um, so gluten-free is a, is a percentage of it. The people looking for a more healthful bowl of pasta mm-hmm. is much greater. Yeah. So, it, you know, there's, there's more opportunities even out there in, mm. uh, like, doing raviolis filled with plant-based fillings. Right, um, right. Instead of, you know, sausages and yeah, ground beef. Yeah, yeah, um, There's, you know, e- even just using pureed vegetables for mm-hmm. the liquid instead of water. Yeah, so, so there's more yeah. fiber and inclusions and, and mm-hmm. nutrition in mm-hmm. every bite. Mm-hmm. Yeah, isn't that awesome? It's functional food, food to be with mm-hmm. functionality. <clears throat> yeah, yeah. More, the more educated consumers are, the more they're interested in that stuff, it yeah. seems. Educated about food, and that could be anybody... Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 So now you have a new brand. You have a new facility. You're growing like crazy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Then that's kind of what you see for the future, right? That's really what I see for the future. It's a uh, there. There's with the new facility, mm-hmm. we really have the ability to just kind of keep going and go mm-hmm. at a higher pace and uh, go, you know, secure those markets that we feel that we can. Uh, accomplish. And, yeah, and yeah. It's, a, it's a very exciting time. And yeah. um, I'm very happy to be doing what I'm doing. Um, you know, I've been doing pasta 23 years. So thank goodness I still, still like, like pasta, pasta. Yeah. I will say, you know, oh, I love it. It, uh, you know, it gets tiresome sometimes, but yeah. I, it's still pasta. Yeah. But you're doing all these innovative things all the time with, with pasta, right? Like red lentil pasta. I mean, mm-hmm. really? It's awesome. And I've had it. It's awesome. Yeah. It's a great time to be very creative yeah. uh, in food and yeah. uh, 
Yeah, I think we got a couple of home runs that are coming down the pike. Nice, nice. Amazing journey you've been on. We don't have yeah. a lot of people who have been, you know, in our in the local food or, or regional food or however you want to call it. Um, we don't have a lot of people like you who have kind of have taken your brand and started it and, and <laughs> you know, seriously, and grown it like you have. Yeah, so. yeah I, I do remember back when I was looking for space. I mean... You'd think it would be pretty easy to find a little small kitchen that you could certify and get a license, and no, it was it was hard. I just started in a little catering company, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah, there were not there were not small food startup businesses that existed in the in the '90s, really. Yeah, very yeah. very few. Yeah, and not in Madison at all. Yeah, yeah, no, I know you were. You're definitely a pioneer, and you've been so um, <clears throat> generous with your time and expertise in the community, working because uh, you were involved, right, with Feed Kitchen. Oh, very. Our, much that's so, our yeah. big shared use kitchen facility project mm-hmm. here, and you're you've been involved with Reap all, for a long time, right? Yeah. And oh, I can't, I can't. I mean, I should really start writing down all of the entrepreneurs and the companies that mm-hmm. I consulted with and I was you know because the catering just been company a great mentor yeah, for people too you know yeah well the, yeah you know, that catering company it was great for them to take me under the wing and let mm-hmm. me move in uh, so then once I had a manufacturing mm-hmm. space uh, I was a strong proponent of also being an incubator kitchen for anyone that wanted to start a company mm-hmm. I mean we had samosas we had truffles mm-hmm. um, more chocolates um, pasties, mm-hmm. you know, and uh, I mean, just a whole host of businesses. And a lot of them moved mm-hmm. on to grow and, mm-hmm. and become, you know, like get their own spaces. And yeah, that I think that that's where I, I have a strong passion for wanting to do that. And yeah. there's, there's a handful of, of uh, smaller food companies here in Madison that mm-hmm. I, I still really enjoy mm-hmm. uh, staying in touch with and yeah. helping them make those next steps. Yeah, yeah. No, you, you've been so generous with the, your time and expertise in the community. It's amazing. Uh, yeah, we're, we're much richer for having ha- you here and your company. <laughs> oh, thank but, you very much. Yeah. I, it's just something that I, I like to do. Yeah, yeah, of course. And it is something entrepreneurs, you know, giving back is part of part of the process, I think, right? I, I think so. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I wish I had had more veterans in, the, in this food space uh, when I was starting. Yeah. Man. Um, you know, there was, there were, I will, you know, I will shout out to the Small Business Development Center mm-hmm. here, uh, UW-Madison uh, Extension. They were invaluable. Yeah. Because, <clears throat> you know, I was like, I'm just starting a business. Yeah. What do I do? Mm-hmm. Um, they really, they helped. They helped mm-hmm. an awful lot. Yeah. So. Cool. Cool. Well, Peter, it's been wonderful. Have we missed anything? I don't think so. I mean, I'm sure something will come up this afternoon that I'd yeah, like to share with you. Yeah, you'll think, oh, my you. God. And he'll call. Yeah, it'll be good. Yeah. Well, no, thank you no, for coming down. This is fantastic. Thanks thank you so, so much, Tara. Yeah. Thanks for listening. You can get more podcasts by subscribing on iTunes or your favorite podcast app. And you can learn more about Edible Alpha by visiting our website at ediblealpha.org.